Paige with us today. Uh, and uh, Paige is going to talk a little bit uh, about the things over at Phelps Health. And uh, Paige Heitman, welcome to the program. Good to see you back, by the way. I, yeah, know, no, I know you were a little, little sick last week. Yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard this time of year. You never know what's going on, especially in, in this climate. You don't know if it's the flu, COVID, allergies, whatever's going on. I know Tracy and Paige, they kind of sound interchangeable, don't they? <laughs> Apparently so. Yes. But, but you have a young man uh-huh. here that's been on the I show do. before and very entertaining. Yes, yeah. So on our Ask a Professional show today, we have Dr. Forrest Rackham, who's a clinical psychologist with the Phelps Health Medical Group. So welcome back. Thank you very much. I enjoy being here whenever I can. Yeah, we love having you here. So I know we always love to kick off our show with um, our providers and our specialists telling us a little bit about what they do and why they love Phelps Health. So let's go ahead and revisit that again. Right, no problem. I enjoy Phelps Health because mm-hmm. I see it as a place that's continually growing, continually uh, pushing ourselves to uh, seek better opportunities mm-hmm. to provide services for our patients. And one of those things that uh, I'm ex- excited about is that new transition to Epic that we've had just recently. So. Yeah, that's been really fun. I think that just kicked off last week. How awesome has that been for your area? Oh, it's been it's been uh, good. Um, we've been able to see and access charts from some other organizations and then be able to pull those in to be able to address some of the patient's concerns more quickly. Um, again, it's still transition, so all of us are going through the transition bumps, but already I, I can see that it's going to continue to provide improved care toward our patients and for us to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing that. I know as a patient myself, I am so excited about my chart and having access to my care. You were mentioning before that you had had a patient who already had a a great positive experience with my chart, right? Yeah, and they were able to access it. And uh, I just got done with my note and I remember sending it over and I could see that it got sent to that patient. And so um, they said that they were excited about being able to access their chart more easily. Yeah, super cool. We love hearing this thing. So we're going to go ahead and dive into our topic today, which is a little heavy. It's bullying prevention. And October is actually bullying prevention month. And I kind of think, you know, this year more than ever, it's really important to share kindness and teach not only kids, but really adults as well, that bullying is not okay. Right. Right. So how do we define bullying? Well, uh, bullying oftentimes is um, unwarranted aggressive behavior, observed or perceived power imbalance. But the biggest thing that we find with bullying is that it's the repetition. There are going to be times in which any one of us may call someone by a a nasty name or Mm -hmm. might pick on someone, and that might be an isolated occurrence. Um, And hopefully if it's a small occurrence, then we can let it go and just go on with our day. But it's often bullying is also tied with the continued effort or the continued behaviors of engaging in those unhelpful behaviors or problematic or harmful behaviors. Why does somebody even engage in those behaviors? Like, how do they become essentially a bully, quote unquote? Uh, It could be a variety of different things. Um, One of the things that can produce or not produce, (laughs) but uh, produce bullying behaviors uh, would be uh, when a child feels um, unwanted or they don't feel like they fit in with a group. And so sometimes they may look for ways in which they can fit in more freely, um, and so they'll pick on someone else so that they can be accepted. Uh, other times it's because they might already experience abuse, uh, bullying, or other kind of uh, physical violence in the home, and so in the, then that culture, they've learned that that's how you show uh, that you're unhappy with yeah, certain situations. Yeah, that's how you communicate with yeah, people. That's they never learned how to communicate with empathy and kindness because right. they don't know those words in their household, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've had times in which I've visited with patients 
this is years later after they've experienced a lot of those things that they they thought that that's just how families were run and so they thought that everyone had a public face and everybody had a private face uh, which is true to some degree all of us mm-hmm. do but that uh, the violence was attributed to that private face as opposed to that public face and so she thought that uh, that happened in all houses until later on consistent uh, environments where she visited with some of her other friends' parents, their parents didn't do any of those things. And so she it came to that realization later on. Yeah, you mentioned that. There's this book I recently read. Um, I'm a CASA advocate, so we have like a monthly book club because uh-huh. we can't meet in person. Yeah. And it was called Spilled Milk, and it was a story of this this abuse survivor and she had the same thing she went over to her boyfriend's house and this um her little brother had spilled some milk and she immediately got up to take the brother away from the situation because Uh in her household you would have gotten beat or yelled up yelled at or whatever it was for that so that's how she was in her environments whenever she was around people and she recognized from a very young age like hey this is not normal Uh but i don't know that bullies always recognize that no they don't always recognize it and so if they're when we look at people that experience or that bully, um, it's more helpful to find out what skill deficit they might have. So if it's a skill deficit in terms of how to communicate empathy toward other people, then it might be important for them to see a psychologist or someone else or even just have some social skills training in the home and stuff like that. Is a bully someone who has low self-esteem and wants to hurt other people because they don't really like themselves? That can happen, mm. that someone can have a low self-esteem and therefore bully other people. Yeah. Uh, and in, in some regards, there's a certain power differential that happens. You feel kind of more powerful being able to put someone right. else down and right. to see someone else uh, kind of shy away from you mm-hmm. and to give in. And so yeah. uh, in that regard, it helps them feel a little bit more powerful in that moment. You know, I don't think you ever forget that, though. I, I, I lived in California when I was a kid, and uh, I got bullied in high school. Uh-huh. Junior high, well, ninth grade, whatever it was. Yeah. And I never forgot it. Yeah. I never forgot it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many things that have happened in my life that, you know, wow, well, I can't remember that. I can't remember this. But for some reason, mm-hmm. that never left my mind. Yeah. It's, it was a terrible experience. Exactly. And uh, again, I think it leaves a lifelong impression. It well, can. isn't it true, too, that the negative things in our life impact us and stick with us more than the positive experiences? Well, anything that, if, if we think about it, anything that has a high emotional Mm-hmm. content uh, sticks with us longer. So yeah. if it's extremely pleasurable or extremely negative, mm-hmm. it's going to stick with us yeah. uh, more easily than other things. Mm-hmm. And our mind is more primed toward remembering those things that are more negative because oftentimes they are that much more emotionally mm-hmm. intense for us. And so therefore we will remember it for longer periods of time. And it really can shape how we view ourselves and also how we interact with other people in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, even to Lee's point, I remember one of the first times I got bullied. I was in fifth grade, and I remember exactly where I was. I was standing at a bookcase, and um, it was a a low-shelf bookcase, but I still remember exactly what I was wearing and who was around me and the kid that bullied me, and I still know his name now. But (laughs) you do. You remember those experiences. They really do impact you. But what about peer pressure? If somebody isn't, if they don't feel bad about themselves, but they're around a lot of people that feel bad, Mm -hmm. can that impact them being a bully? But maybe they're a nice kid. Yeah, and so some parents will say, "Why I don't? My kid is a good kid. Why I don't Mm -hmm. believe that he would do anything like that. My my Johnny or Susie would never do anything like that." But it is oftentimes uh, those kids that are good kids. It's fitting in. It's the peer pressure. It's Mm -hmm. the doing the things because they feel good about it and acceptance from their other peers. Mm -hmm. Do we see more of female uh, bullying? 
That's exactly what I was going to ask. Been more, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, it was boys bully, but right. but now we hear a lot about girls bullying girls. I think, uh, and I can't remember the rates, but what we do find is that, uh, generally speaking, uh, there's different forms of bullying. Mm -hmm. uh, so, oftentimes, um, girls will use different uh, social ways of bullying they're not so as they'll, direct right right they're not as direct they'll yeah they're a lot sneakier about it <laughs> name calling they'll get their other friends on to uh, make fun of other people right. on a text or something uh, and then they often will shy away and say well we were just kidding we were just joking and that that often puts the other person that has been bullied in a position of like well then i have to forgive them i have to let them go and to some degree there is forgiveness but uh, it puts undue pressure on the other person just because they were kidding in quotation marks but um, so we see it more often again with uh, females it's more hidden uh, but it's sneaky it's it's uh, more aggressive verbally it's uh, calling them names or uh, shaming them for different behaviors that they might engage in right. and, and in the past uh, it was a lot more males are more often likely to resort to violence or to resort to any kind of uh, physical presence where they can pick on each other. However, it still happens uh, like if they're playing Fortnite or if they're playing any other video games, mm -hmm. you'll hear them cussing up a storm, things that you would never think would come out of your eight-year-old's mouth, but they're, they're having their headphones on, they're talking about it, and they're bullying each other because yeah. they're like, they call each other names because they messed up. Well, the social like network and games like that have not helped the situation at all. Right. No, yeah, there's a, a new show on Netflix that came out. It's called The Social Dilemma, mm -hmm. and it talks about how younger generations, the, the generation right below me, mm -hmm. how they're all on social media as preteens and how it has adversely affected their health. Yes. And I wonder if that has anything to do with bullying as well. It does, uh, because there's the anonymity to it. Uh, we found that when people are more anonymous in terms of how they can uh, spread hate or spread other things, um, they can hide behind that anonymity mm -hmm. and people are more likely to engage in behaviors that they wouldn't normally engage in if they didn't. Uh, do those kind of behaviors you know we talk about bullying whenever we were younger and how guys fight it out and girls can be mean to each other in person but i didn't really grow up with any social media i didn't have a phone until i was almost in high school but now how common do you think bullying is do you think it's more common now than it was before or is it different i think it's different um i do see that a lot there is an uptick in uh the prevalence rate of people who are being reported as bullying um, but generally, um, again, I don't know the numbers on those per se, mm -hmm. but there has been an uptick on it. But again, I think it's more that it's just changed its shape, its form, uh, and uh, people are more accessible to be able mm -hmm. to do things on the internet than they were before and get away from, get away with it. I know there's people I've met uh, that have really nice people by themselves. Mm -hmm. But when they get with a group, they're a whole different deal. Right, yeah. And that's very disheartening. And that's the other thing is that when you have that uh, group mentality mm -hmm. then uh, to show allegiance to that group then sometimes you engage in other bullying toward other people because hey it's uh, it's part of my group and how dare you and one thing that also increases bullying is if we uh, dehumanize other people yeah. and view them as an other whereas we have found uh, programs that emphasize unity programs that emphasize social engagement that uh, talk about different ways in which we can communicate kindly toward one another. Those are more likely to establish uh, a kind of a presence of how we can um, engage in positive interactions on regular, more regular basis. Mm -hmm. 
um, and sc schools that do that, schools that uh, encourage um, programs where they talk about kindness. Um, I know Rala does that at least in the in the spring. Mm -hmm. Talk about kindness, doing their kindness day, um, but also uh, when they also have presentations from other kids, when they have uh, kids involved in some of the rulemaking in terms of how to engage in socially appropriate behavior, when we have parents uh, who are involved in PTA or PTO and who are also volunteers in the school, having that presence there helps to decrease the likelihood of bullying and increase kind of a good social environment where people are willing to learn from one another, willing to learn from one another, willing to Programs that don't work are uh, one program that I was involved in when I was in high school, which is peer mediation. Um, I, I used to think that that was something that was a great thing, but I've since learned that peer mediation puts uh, people on an equal ground, sure, but um, oftentimes bullying is more about uh, a power differential. And so your peer mediation is about, well, both of you guys have good uh, kind of uh, points of view, and so we need to respect both of those points of view. Whereas when someone's bullying, it's, it's not a good point of view. <laughs> so we shouldn't give equal footing to that. And it, it kind of communicates to the other kids, <clears throat> the bullying, that you have some right to uh, bully in some regards. So they found peer mediation might actually backfire and do the thing that doesn't help um, other things that don't help are like three strikes rule or no tolerance rules um, in terms of getting the kid kicked, the kid that has bullied kicked out. Instead, the things that do help kids that do bully mm -hmm. are those things in which uh, if they have to give a kind of a discussion or lead a discussion in a group about pro-social behaviors mm. or if you get them to engage in role-playing where they are engaging in good communication skills with other kids or if they have to write a story or if they have to write an apology letter to the kid with whom they bullied um, that's often more likely to lead to uh, some more positive changes it's not going to be overnight but it's going to be over a longer duration, those are things are more likely to lead to behavioral changes in those kids. But if they're outside the school and they're outside the environment, yeah. they, they don't have an opportunity to learn how to uh, engage in more appropriate behaviors. Yeah, they're going back into that environment where they probably learned how to be a bully or they're where they're getting right. bullied. Right, right. Well, exactly. my granddaughter, Sophie, is 11 years old. Is, yeah. is, is that... Is that age bracket from 11 to, say, 18, is that the high rate of bullying in there, or can it happen any time in your life? It can happen any time in your life. We do. There's more increase during that time mm -hmm. uh, only because uh, children's between the age of 10 to 12 uh, is that when the children's uh, kind of imagined audience increases. Right. And so, therefore, even if there's no peers around, if you have them think about their peers and how their peers might look at them if they do engage in bullying so that they can feel better about themselves, just having them think about those peers increases the likelihood that a kid will engage in more impulsive or sometimes uh, negative behaviors if it's a peer group that's not always a health, healthy uh, mm -hmm. peer group Bully or whatever. Sure. And that's just because during the age, 10 to 12, that's often when we see that imagined audience get an increase. That's when kids get more embarrassed easily. That's when kids uh, are more likely to engage in more impul impulsive behaviors. And then it can go on from 10 to 12 on up to really uh, mid to late 20s. And that's when we see a lot more of that bullying behavior. So many occur. things are happening in your life at that at adolescence. I mean, there's yeah. just so much going on. Huh? And it's really, you know, it's easy for a parent to say, well, you know, you're a good person. Sticks and stones won't break your, bo will break your bones. But, you know, all that stuff, 
But man, you got you know they got they got to have the one on one time. They got to be in a classroom or in a in a gymnasium with their with their with their fellow students, and they've got to be able to handle the situation right on the moment. They do. And yeah. it's t- it's very tough to do at that age. I'm sorry, Paige. I'm no, talking you're too fine. Much. Well, I love what you just said because they have to learn how to handle those types of situations because. Yeah. Bullying doesn't stop once you're out of high school. It Mm-mm. continues on into your adulthood. And that was that was a question that I had on here, too, is some of these things, and you talked about this earlier, I'm just joking or I'm just kidding. I didn't mean to offend you. You got offended. Uh-huh. Where is that line yeah. crossed? Because that's yeah. happened. I'm in. I'm 26. That's happened in my 20s probably on a weekly basis. Right. And I try to educate people and say, well, it offended me. It hurt my feelings. I don't think that that's okay. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, Oftentimes when we say it offended me, mm-hmm. I think uh, we, uh, we we can take offense about a lot of things. Uh-huh. I think it's more helpful for us to say how we feel mm-hmm. when someone says something. So something that I often teach other people is called dear man. And dear man stands for describe the situation. Okay. Uh, express how you feel. Assert what you want. Uh, reinforce the other person uh, by how it's going to help them out. Mm-hmm. And then be mindful about it. And then A is uh, to act confident, and N <laughs> is to negotiate. So in those situa- situations, it's more helpful to say, hey, when you said this, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. Please do not say those comments in the future. And I think that if you say other comments instead, it can help us feel better toward each other. And I really like you as a person. I want to spend more time with you. And so it'd be great if we can just keep our language more positive. And in that regard, it kind of switches it. And so if they do happen to say, well, you don't have to get so angry about it or anything like that. In that regard, that's where the be mindful part is. Mm -hmm. Keep it back to the argument, which is nonetheless, that's how I'm feeling. And I think that if you do engage in that behavior, uh, it, I won't be able to hang out with you as much or anything like that. But if if you do this other thing, then then I think that you're a really awesome person. I, I want to be able to hang out with you more. And so in that regard, it reinforces them because you're like, mm-hmm. I, want, I like you. I, I think you're a really cool person. And there's so many attributes that I like about you. And if you do this, it will help our relationship out better well and really what that's doing is creating creating clear boundaries right Uh because as children and even as adults that's what we have to do we have to create boundaries for whatever our moral code is and everybody's moral code is probably different but having those conversations is really important yeah because if you don't have them nobody's ever going to know what your boundaries are Yeah, but the problem is is that oh hey sophie how'd it go today in school okay anybody bother you no you know they don't talk uh-huh. to you and it drives yeah. me nuts <laughs> yeah so how yeah. do you notice but how do you know yeah how, and a lot of people just clam up they don't have a constructive conversation right uh the i the way in which we can help increase the likelihood that kids will talk to us mm-hmm. is one of them is to when kids come home from school for example give them time to relax give them some cookies or uh, apple or something like that to invite them home help them relax it's a transitional period as they're coming home and then get to talking about how maybe your day was and then also say, so I wonder what happened in math class, blah, blah, blah. Get specific about what mm-hmm. classes they're involved with because then it shows interest in what they're already doing and it's more likely to open up some right. different things. Right. But if generally if we say, how was your day? We're asking kind of more of a sum up, summation of our events. And so uh, at that point we uh, might get that it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, But other ways in which we can help encourage kind of communication 
is to uh, one model communication to ourselves, uh, talk about how our day was, talk about specific events that have happened, talk about trials that we went through and how we were over, able to overcome those. So we can model those behaviors for ourselves. And then also sometimes share experiences that have happened with us as children. Uh, you know, when I was your age, roughly about this time, a kid started uh, picking on me a little bit more. Uh, and I don't know if that experience ever happened to you or whatever. And if they say no, okay, well, you know, if that, if that did happen or if it does happen, you know, I love you no matter what. And, and just emphasizing that there are different ways in which we can handle different, different situations. Mm -hmm. So sometimes uh, having, even, even if it's not a problem for a kid, Sometimes it might be good just to do a little role play with the kid every once in a while and say, hey, what would you do if? Right. And, and, right. and they said, blah, blah, blah. Well, how about if I said this? You know, and play it off each other mm -hmm. and then say, okay, so what if you did it this way? Mm -hmm. And you, it doesn't have to be very formal. It can just be something like that. I'm just throwing something out at you. And then it allows them to pra practice different ways in which they can respond in the future sure. so that if someone does bully, then they have a response. They've learned. They've practiced. They've gotten mm -hmm. feedback already from their parents. That's a good idea. Yeah. You know, something else that makes me think about is in every school, hopefully there is a counselor. And I think right. a lot of times whenever I was growing up, there was always this huge stigma of, oh, my gosh, she went to the counselor. What did she have to go to the counselor for? Uh -huh. And if girls were having issues or boys, like one time I got in trouble because a boy pushed me and then I pushed him. So I we both got in trouble for right. it. But I went in first and then he got pulled in later that day. Uh -huh. And the whole school knew about it. <laughs> yeah. And we were both very embarrassed uh -huh. because we got pulled into the counselor's office in a very public in a public way. Right. So how do you destigmatize that whenever a child is struggling with something? Uh, like bullying. Like bullying. Um, oftentimes you don't want to address it in front of other kids. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do would be to meet with the kids privately mm -hmm. uh, and individually. So they have, both have a place to communicate what's going on for them. Um, I can't say that we're going to necessarily protect against feeling embarrassed. The thing that we can do is encourage an environment in which, hey, this is where we seek help. Uh, have model students who other kids look up to. Share some maybe if they feel comfortable sharing some of their experience of what it was like and then it can be kind of the cool thing. <laughs> um, but we want to make it so it's it's accessible to everybody and so that people don't see be seen as tattletales or snitches or hey you got a problem man you saw the counselor what'd you do or what's wrong with you instead hey this is what happened so yeah. i think sometimes also arming kids if the counselor per se could arm the kids with like hey what happens if other kids ask how can you respond even the counselor could provide different ways in which they can communicate in the future Paige, don't you know that they always get the first and the second person Oh, the you know, other if you one get pushed him. and you push back, you're the one that's I know, in trouble. You're in trouble too. Well, it was worse because I accidentally pushed him. Well, I, I didn't accident. start it. Yes. Yeah, I pushed him into the girls' bathroom. <laughs> that's really why I got in trouble. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're running low on time. Um, so I just want to say thank you and give you one more chance to just um, explain why you, you think it's so important for students to be, be open about expressing if they're struggling with bullies right As, by sharing our experiences it can really help to decrease mm -hmm. the stigma it increases a, an atmosphere in which we can all um, kind of look at as each other as humans and have more compassion toward one another and allow for more opportunities for growth and it provides an environment where people can learn better when they don't have to worry so much about having to protect their ego mm -hmm. and stuff so yeah. I think that can help out a lot. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Those are things I wish that I would have had whenever I was in grade school. So. Yeah, no kidding. 
This guy is so good. I know. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm sorry. I put it in so many times. I'm yes, sorry, but I no, just, I just, I love it. I just love talking to him about this stuff. <laughs> so today we've been speaking with Dr. Forrest Rackham, a clinical psychologist with Phelps Health Medical Group. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit PhelpsHealth.org. Thanks so much. Thank you. So much. Thank you.